I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 220. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. I'm one of those people who feels my sense of patriotism. I mean, ever since I was a little girl, I can remember choking up at the national anthem at school or sporting events. I love that I grew up in America where we have great freedom and wonderful men and women who have fought and continue to fight and serve for those freedoms. Freedom is a big word. And this week's song, Who You Say I Am by Hillsong Worship, reminds us that who the sun sets free is free indeed. In fact, let's listen. Now, this is a direct quote from Scripture, the words of Jesus in John chapter 8, and you know how I love that. So we're going to head on over there and spend our time there this week because it's really not about the song as much as it is about getting inspired by the song to dive into Scripture. Now, I've actually been sitting in this area of Scripture for a couple of weeks now because I planned to record this last week, so it actually worked to um, incorporate a couple of bites that will serve you well because they served me well over the last couple of weeks. And what is a bite, you might ask? Well, it's a Bible interaction tool exercise, just simple habits that I use to interact with God's Word. And you may actually use some of these naturally, but I always encourage you to try new ones and put them in your repertoire as you interact with God's Word. So the bites I use these last couple of weeks are to slow down, repetition, Listen to audio versions of God's Word, read larger chunks of Scripture, read or listen in a couple of translations, and complete a word study. Now, you can actually download a quick resource sheet of my top five bites by shooting me your email. Just go head on over to michellekneesat.com, and some of these bites that I just mentioned are actually on that resource. But the first bite I used this week was to slow down. So giving myself a couple of weeks to sit and soak in a section of Scripture gave me more time to think about what I was reading. And it's a really good lesson, especially for me, because too often I learn something and then move on to learn another something and another something, and sometimes just don't let all those somethings sink in. And God wants his truth to sink in. It's not worth anything if it doesn't change us, you know? So in fact, as we'll see in a little bit, the truth will set us free. So one of the things that you can do to slow yourself down Or while you're in a slower zone, you can make time for repetition. And reading a section of scripture over and over begins to help it unravel a bit and sink in. And that's why 
I like the bite of repetition. Now, one of the methods of consuming this section of scripture that I used over the last couple of weeks was to not only read the text, but to listen to it. And I have an app on my smartphone by Uversion. It's the Bible app. And through that, it's a free app and you can access many translations of the Bible. And many of those translations have audio versions on the app all for free. So I just open the Bible app on my phone. I navigate to John chapter 8. And then I listened to that chapter in the morning while I was getting ready for work several times. I actually did this several times over the course of the, the last couple of weeks. Just stayed in this same section of scripture. Again, repetition. I paired it with also reading the word because sometimes I find my mind wandering when I listen to audio versions. However, my husband, he's an audio learner, so it's better for him to listen. So it's a little bit harder for him to add reading. And for me, it's better for me to read and it's harder for me to add listening. So it's good for both of us to try those things. I've even had listeners say that they listen to the audio version while following along in the text. And that's a great option as well. So I stayed in John chapter 8, as I mentioned. It's a larger chunk of scripture. Uh, Staying in a larger chunk is better than focusing on one verse at a time. And so my favorite bite or Bible interaction tool exercise is to read in context. And for for me, that often means reading the chapter before, the chapter that you're studying, and the chapter after. So in this case, chapter 7, 8, and 9. And of course, I did this when I first got started in the section. But there's so much in John chapter 8 that... I felt that that chapter itself was a pretty big enough chunk, and so I wouldn't necessarily, um, although I read 7, 8, 9, I kind of read that larger chunk. When I sat and soaked in it, I just stayed in chapter 8. Now, the next bite that I want to mention before we actually jump into John chapter 8 is to read in several translations. Now, there are several fairly complicated reasons why this is important. I've actually been reading a book on it, but I'm going to just sum it up for you because quite simply, you're reading a translation, you know, meaning you're you're not reading the Bible as it was originally written. Uh, you're not reading it in Hebrew or Greek or Aramaic. So you must rely, <clears throat> excuse me, on a translation into your language of, of choice. In my case, of course, it's English, as is probably the case for the majority of my listeners. Although I do have many international listeners, so I don't want to assume that you're reading in an English translation. But because you're reading in a translation, you are at the mercy of the translators who sometimes have to make difficult choices as to what the original Hebrew or Greek author was really intending to express. So when you only use one translation, even if it's a great one, even it's, um, you've committed to the choices of those translators. So integrating the reading of another translation can shed light because they'll word things a little bit differently. Now, I, I tend to like to read in the New Living Translation. I like to study in the English Standard Version. I like to drop in a little NIV, <clears throat> New International Version, too. If you if you want to really geek out on this, you can read about the philosophies of the translators in the introductory pages to your Bible. If you just want to access the different translations and you don't really want to geek out, you don't want to have to purchase several copies of Bibles, that Bible app by you version that I mentioned earlier they're gonna, they'll give you access to all the different versions. Um, some online sources like BibleHub.com or BibleGateway.com or others will give you free access to multiple translations of the Bible. So bef- again, before we jump into John 8, I want to mention uh, just some background because the gospel according to John is assumed to be authored by John the Apostle, who was brother to James and he was the son of Zebedee. 
And John tells the story, as you read John and you compare it to the other Gospels, he tells the story in a way that the other Gospels don't. He intentionally tells the story from a perspective of after Jesus' resurrection and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So just think about that when you're reading John. That really changed the way I was reading John. I I think you might never read it uh, the same again if you think about that. Again, that he intentionally told the story from a perspective after Jesus' resurrection and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now when you read it, you're going to go, oh, I see, I see. He makes constant references to things that you wouldn't know unless you knew the end of the story. And so I often say we have the benefit of that 2020 vision when we read the Bible. You know, we say, or at least we think sometimes, oh, we would never respond that way. But it's only because we know the rest of the story. So John is actually telling us the story, keeping the rest of the story in mind as he does so. He declares Jesus the Messiah from the start. And he's writing out this gospel in a time when false prophets are denying that Jesus was God in human flesh. So all that's kind of woven into John. So when you back up to gain the context of John chapter 8, You see that in the beginning of chapter 7, Jesus' brothers are encouraging him to attend the Feast of Tabernacles. And he ends up going, but he kind of goes on his own without his brothers knowing. And he waits till about halfway through the feast to actually come out of the shadows and begin teaching in the temple courts. And if you want to explore a little extra, you could research old the Old Testament for details about the Feast of the Tabernacles. And you could make some observations based on Jesus' interactions here. And um, I think it could be quite interesting. It's a little bit of an advanced assignment for you, but I think it could be interesting. But uh, in the meantime, Christ's true identity becomes a hotly contested topic of conversation And you can see that in John chapter 7, verses 40 through 44, where it says, Some of the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. Others said, He is the Messiah. Still others asked, How can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not Scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided (coughs) because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. All right, so as we make our way into chapter 8, the discourse continues until we make our way to our focus for today's podcast, um, beginning in verse 30 of John chapter 8. It says, even as he spoke, and he's speaking of Jesus, many believed in him. And to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. And we've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I've seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your Father. So that's what our song talks about, right? Who the Son sets free is free indeed. And our song is reminding us that it is who we are in Christ. We are free. And I hope that this song will lead you to remember what you're studying here today. So let's start by making a few observations. First, in verse 30, it says, Even as he spoke, many believed in him. 
And then he specifically addressed those who believed in him, right? So here's my observation. I know of this verse in Acts chapter 16 that declares, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. But when I read this conversation between Jesus and these Jews, it really, really makes me wonder if Jesus is bringing clarity and depth to what it really means to be a believer. And I go so far as to say that because when you get to the end of John 8, you see the people picking up stones to kill him. So they start out by believing or, or having some semblance of belief and end up at the end trying to stone him. So let's take a close look at what Jesus says in verse 31. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, I love what I read in my apologetic study Bible this week. As it says, as verse 31 stresses, appearance of belief must be matched by perseverance in following Jesus and his teaching. That's so good. I think I think I need to say it again. Appearance of belief must be matched by perseverance in following Jesus and his teaching. And here's where I used the bite of completing a word study. Because when I read the verse that says, if you hold to my teaching, and I looked it up, I read it in other translations. Remember, you read it in several translations. That particular verse says, uh, in, in some other translations, if you remain faithful to my teaching. And another one said, if you continue in my word. And yet another said, if you abide in my word. And I wanted to know what the, uh, what the word in the original language was. So the easiest way that I have found to do that is to look up the verse on BibleHub.com. And then you can click on the INT for, for interlinear. And then choose the word that you want to explore. And it'll show you the original word and um, definitions and some other study tools around that word. So when I did that, I found that the word for, um, if if you hold to my teaching, right? If you hold, the word for hold in that sentence is meno. And it's the word abide. And I discovered it's the same word for abide that is found in John chapter 15 when Jesus describes himself as the vine and us as the branches and calls calls us to abide in him. So that is just so fascinating. I love it when I find those kinds of connections. So if we abide in Christ's teaching, which by the way is the word that the English Standard Version used, if we abide in his word, we are really his disciples. And it carries with it the connotation of tarrying or tarrying as a guest in a lodge. I love that. I want to fluff up the pillows and brew a cup of coffee or steep a, steep a cup of tea and snuggle in, staying a while in the teachings of Christ. Sort of what I've talked about doing these last few weeks, really. And Jesus is telling us here that when we do that, when we remain faithful to his teaching, when we continue in his word, when we abide with him, we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. Of course, it means much more than just an academic understanding. You know, what is it that Jesus said of himself? I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus sets us free. But just in case we missed it that time, he says it another way in verse 36. And it's in direct response to the people he was talking to because they definitely missed it. They answer him, we're Abraham's descendants and we've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say we shall be set free? This is an absurd statement, don't you think? Abraham's descendants were slaves over and over in history, in Egypt, in Assyria, in Babylon, in Persia, in Greece, and now in Rome. So I'm assuming here that they were claiming that they were never spiritually enslaved, right? Because it would be an absurd, a, an absurd statement to say that they were never slaves. 
But this absurd claim made me think about how we think we're not slaves to anything these days. I mean, I live in a free country. Many, if not most of you, also live in a free country. Uh, We might be tempted to claim that we're Americans and therefore not slaves to anyone, or we are, insert your country or ethnic group, and not slaves to anyone. But Jesus had an answer to them that is an answer to all of us. And this is what he said in verse 34. Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now, Paul, in in Titus chapter 3, he says it this way, starting in verse 3. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved. There's our word, enslaved. By all kinds of passions and pleasures, we lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Isn't that beautiful? Because we were slaves, but he saved us. He set us free. So if you keep reading in John chapter 8, you're going to actually see that Jesus riles up the people pretty significantly because he states that they are a reflection of their father. Of course, they were claiming that Abraham was their father and thus God was their father. And Jesus stirred up quite a controversy when he said that they were actually following their father, the devil. How about that? You're following a tradition that you believe leads to life and right standing before God. Uh, But in reality, it's just kind of all a lie. Because unless you believe in Christ and hold to his teachings, you are not a true disciple. In fact, whatever you obey is what you're a slave to. And in order to be free, you must become slaves to righteousness. Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 16, says it this way. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you've come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You've been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. So you see clearly that who the Son sets free is free indeed from sin that leads to death. But we're not free for freedom's sake. That we may, but that we may become slaves to righteousness, tarrying as welcomed guests in the teaching of Christ, that we may have a permanent place in his family forever. Now that is something to sing about. So what's next? Well, read John chapter 8. Read it several times in several translations. Put on the audio version a few times this week as well. Focus in on the section we talked about today or journey through the Old Testament seeking out details of the Feast of Tabernacles and compare what you learn to the experiences of Jesus detailed in John 7 through 10. Be sure to slow down. Repetition will help you do that. And then while you're in God's Word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Facebook, michellekneezat, and we can talk about what you're learning. 
Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank the premier Christian music streaming service, TheOverflow.com, for pointing their subscribers to this podcast. But more importantly, pointing them to God's Word through music. When you subscribe to their trial, you will receive a 10-day series of devotions I wrote based on some of my most popular podcast episodes. So I encourage you to check them out at TheOverflow.com. Now, I want to thank my newest subscribers to my website, like Phoebe from Virginia, Mimi from Massachusetts, Femke from the Netherlands, Nicole from Pennsylvania, and Karen from Australia. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website will benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. It's a great place to start. And then subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week. And in that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. And you get an email recap of the week's episode and you get instant access to any of the other resources I create for my episodes from time to time. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneesat.com to subscribe today. Now, there are so many ways to listen to the podcast. We are now featured on Joy 103.1 every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern and always on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio. And as always, you can subscribe in iTunes. And while you're there, would you please leave me a written review and a star rating? This not only encourages me, but helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using Witness by Jordan Feliz to jump into scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 220. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.